Pittsburgh Steeler fans, it is time once again for Here We Go. It's the Steelers show. It's the offseason. My name is Brian Anthony Davis. I am the podcast producer here at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. And I do a show every week with a guy I consider a legend. It is the coach, KT Smith, the dean of X's and O's. Yes, the dean. I know it's March Madness weekend in North Carolina and Duke are in the final four. And they always talk about the Dean of coaching, Dean Smith, the late Dean Smith. So, and they talk about the genius and the legend that is Mike Krzyzewski. Those guys have nothing on this guy. Kevin Smith, what is going on? Brian, I'm telling you, if I ever need somebody to introduce me at a formal event, I'm absolutely hiring you because uh, you are, you're a tremendous hype man. (laughs) I I am a hype man, you know, and I don't write that stuff down. It just comes out. (laughs) <laughs> uh i you know i, I wish i could uh, uh fairly be put in that lofty company but but i appreciate it anyway so are you a duke guy or a north carolina guy i'll be honest i don't really like either of them uh <laughs> i, I kind of like duke i there's something about duke i like not when they play pit but i i don't have a yeah. problem with duke you know i live close to philly so i, I like villanova and uh, Jay Wright has a house in Ocean City where, you know, where I, I live and we see him in the summertime. He's he's come and spoken to our uh, our team a few times. He's a phenomenal he's very, coach. Yeah. Oh, he's he's a really down to earth guy, too. Very, awesome. very cool. Very nice guy. So I got I guess I have an attachment to them. All right. So I'll root for Nova. I have no <laughs> horse in the race, so I'll, I'll root for Villanova. That sounds good. But hey, we're not talking about we are definitely not talking about guys that wear blue and short shorts and anything like that. We are talking about the most important thing, the Pittsburgh Steelers when it's March and there's nothing going on and free agency is winding down. Doesn't matter. Yin's guys got to understand that it's Steelers all the time. And that is what we're doing. And there's so much to talk about. And that's definitely what we're going to do. But a disclaimer, Kevin, what day do you have on the calendar today? This being Friday. Well, today would be April 1st. Does that mean uh, anything to you? Yeah, that's the day that I completely stay away from Twitter and everything else. Um, it's amateur hour is what it is. Do you understand what I'm saying when I say amateur hour? So uh, amateur hour is uh, when... A half a dozen people put out tweets that say the Steelers just traded for Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> and the honey badger is going to be signed tomorrow and <laughs> all of this <laughs> and that. You are not going to get any of that stuff from us here on Here We Go, the Steelers show. We are not going to pull your leg. We're going to do the jokes when it's right. Like I, I told Kevin on June 26th, we'll do jokes. Just like on June 26th, I'll get my wife flowers. And on June 26th, I might go out to a club. I'm not going to go to the club on New Year's Eve because that's amateur hour. I am not going to give my wife flowers on February 14th because it's amateur hours. That's I'm not going to go drinking on March 17th because that's when everybody that don't do it feels they have to do it. You do it if it's genuine. Now, January, June 26th is nothing for me, but it is something for you. And I brought that up not knowing what is June 26th for you, my friend. Uh, June 26th is my anniversary. And when you randomly selected June 26th, kind of conjured it out of thin air there, I was 
I was actually impressed with myself that I could remember it because, uh, <laughs> you know, that's <laughs> if I had been like, yeah, that, that doesn't mean anything to me, too. And then my wife was listening to the show. That might might have been a problem. Oh, at least your wife listens to the show. Mine doesn't unless I force her. Well, this is the only one I do. You do so many of them. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think that uh, and, and, you know, my, my wife, I, I, I have to give her props. She she knows she knows football. I mean, my wife is not she's not one of those um, fans who doesn't know enough about the game to not know what she doesn't know. She doesn't she doesn't sit and watch a game and say, you know, why did they throw the ball to that guy? He was open. Uh, you know, she's not one of those fans. So she's got a pretty good understanding. She's been a she's been the cheerleading coach at our high school for the last 15 years. And she's been around a lot of football. So well, that's- I've talked to I talk to a lot of a lot of dudes who think they know football who know less than my wife. That's awesome. My wife calls the kickoff the cool runny up thing. <laughs> it's a great name. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> That's why I love you, man. All right. So it's has been a quiet week with the Steelers, but it's never quiet because you never know when things are going to happen. And as the podcast producer, I get all these messages saying, hey, what the show is going to be, what the title of everybody's show is. And we have three shows every single day, three original shows, and we got to get titles for them all. And there's always, this is the title, but there's a disclaimer, unless big news hits. And somebody thinks, uh, it seems like I got a lot for Friday on if big news hits. So there's a few people out there that feel like something's going to happen. And I actually feel like something's going to happen too. But if we report it to you, know that it's BTSC and we are going to honor the truth and we're not going to mess with you. Let the amateurs do that. So speaking of something else, it was a big week in pop culture it was the slap heard around the world we are not going to get into will smith we're not going to get into chris rock i i know my opinion on the whole thing but one thing that you and i talked about off mic is this you know will smith had to know that the world was watching and was going to be all over the internet and he still did it and i'm sure that's regrettable but i want to ask you you're a head coach and there's got to be a situation out there with either a referee or with a another head coach that you wanted a smack has that ever happened so the closest i ever got to to really losing it and and losing it in a way that would have jeopardized my employment most likely because I, I kind of lost my mind was we we played a game back I think it was 2015 when we were we were not yet a, a, a real good program but we were we were getting better we were kind of climbing the ladder a little bit and we played one of the best teams in our area kind of perennial power uh, the team that actually beat us in the sectional championship this year who they remain a perennial power um, and and we hung tough with them and we had them on the ropes. They were beating us 20 to 16 with, with uh, on the last play of the game, about three seconds to go. And we had the ball on, on the, their 12 yard line going in and uh, snapped the ball to our quarterback, had a, had a specific play called the play kind of broke down. He started to scramble around. It turned into a big, just a big scramble play. And he kind of chucked one up into the end zone and there was a big pile of bodies, about six guys uh, in a big pile. And, and one of our guys went up, uh, over everybody else and, and hauled it in, came down with it in the end zone and no time on the clock and we're going to win 22-20. Uh, 
and I mean, it felt like it felt like we were running on the field and the flag came out. And when the flag came out, nobody really could understand what could that possibly be like an unsportsmanlike after the play, whatever it was. Uh, but they decided that it was offensive pass interference on, on, on us. They, they decided that one of our guys had pushed off to gain an advantage. And it was such an absurd call in the situation uh, that I just completely lost my mind. Uh, forgot that we then had to run another play. We got pushed back 15 yards. Uh, you know, then we got an unsportsmanlike for all our guys being on the field, pushed us back another 15. We wound up having to run our last play from about the 42 yard line. Needless to say, we didn't make it. And, I, uh, yeah, I almost went Will Smith in that one had to be held back by my coaches. So <laughs> I love it. I would have loved to have seen it. Cause I, I, uh, I've watched your games live streamed them live and I love watching you because I mean, I think you're a consummate professional and I, but I could understand there's, there's instances where you almost go completely junkyard, you go yeah. barnyard and you're ready to fight and and I get it. But I'm glad you had yeah. the poise to stop and think, well, this could ruin it all. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that. So you know, I, don't, I, I don't believe uh, I don't I really don't believe in, get, in, in getting on the refs too much. I mean, sometimes you do it for a little bit of a strategic advantage because, you know, you feel like maybe the calls are a little bit one sided. And so you'll start to chirp a little bit just to draw attention to something you want attention drawn to. And referees usually kind of get what you're saying and they'll they'll give you a call maybe to even things out a little bit, or, or they'll start to look for something that you want them to look, look uh, for if, if they know that, Hey, we've called six penalties on you and just one on the other team. I, I really, it's, I can't imagine being a referee. It's an incredibly hard job. Incredibly hard. The game is so fast. Uh, you could really, if you're a ref, you could really call a penalty on every play because there is a penalty on every play. And so you have to be discerning. You have to be able to decide, when exactly to throw that flag what is what is a a, a a penalty that truly affects the outcome of a play versus you know something I could just call because it, it's there uh, and then with all the rule changes I don't I don't think a lot of refs even know how to, to call the game anymore the, the rules are changing so quickly and so I, I try to have respect for the fact that their job is exceptionally difficult uh, <laughs> that said sometimes you just can't restrain yourself let me ask you this. Is there a such thing as a makeup call in the NFL? Yeah, a hundred percent. Absolutely. Okay. There is. Uh, I, I believe that, you know, I, again, because, because I believe that there is holding on just about every single play, or if you want to enforce the rules to the letter of the law, illegal contact by the defense on every single play. Uh, if you really feel like, Hey, let's say Bill Belichick is putting it on you a little bit because, and, and you're a young referee uh, and, you, you know, he's going to intimidate you a little bit and you probably feel like, OK, I need to even this out and not necessarily to get back in Bill's good graces, but because, you know, Bill's I don't want Bill Belichick going to the, to the competition committee and saying, you know, this ref is horrendous. I want, you know, these guys all get supervised. They all they all have to be graded out. And if Bill Belichick is trash talking you to the head of the officials, that's a bad thing. So, you know, you'll you'll probably make one of those holding calls uh, in his favor. Speaking of the competition committee, do you feel that they should not even mess with overtime? I haven't given a ton of thought. There's been a lot of thought, a lot of discussion in our, in our Slack channel this week. <laughs> Too about much. The, the, yeah, man. I mean, Dave Schofield's got, and Jeffrey Benedict are, are riled up about this. Uh, I think they're doing a whole podcast on it. They did. But, they did. And it was fantastic. It was sure on it the was. stat geek on Thursday morning on yesterday morning. So definitely go back and check that out. It 
I mean, these guys, it's well thought of. It's really, it's really good stuff. Yeah, I'll listen to that before I really offer an opinion because, like I said, I haven't given a ton of thought to it. The high school format is the same as the college format, so we follow that kind of goofy system where you get the ball on the opponent's 25 going in. I'm not a huge fan of that because it, it, it's, uh, it's almost like a, a completely different game plan that you have to come up with. It doesn't really follow the flow of the game. But, uh, but I, beyond that, I haven't thought a ton about the pro game. Well, I was trying to crack some cojones because they were really serious about everything. So I was just, I was trolling these guys and I said, you know what they should really do? They should do it like in hockey instead of a shootout. You just get your kicker. You, you have the kicker go from like the 50 yard line and whoever gets, you get five shots from the 50 and whoever gets the most field goals, they win the game. But they're like, oh, no, but there's no real football skill. And now, like, guys, I'm just trying to mess with you guys because it's dinging like crazy and, and you're bothering me now. <laughs> you know, if, if, we, if we really want to go shootout style, you could you could give Najee Harris the ball on the five yard line and, and let the opponent pick a defender that they want and put him on the goal line. Oh, one on one. Najee's got to get into the end zone or you got to stop. That would be that'd be awesome. Actually. You know, because they do seven shots in training camp and everything. Yeah. yeah. I remember in my peewee football days, they would do something. And it was kind of like Oklahoma drills, but it wasn't Oklahoma. But you would both lay on your back. Mm-hmm. And one of you was going to get the ball, but no one knew who was going to get the ball. Yeah, and you got to so, get up as fast as you can, pick up the ball and go. And, and, and beat that up. guy one-on-one. And I was really yeah. good at that. Yeah, that's I mean, I wasn't fast. I wasn't good. But that's something that I was always good. at. I was always good at breaking tackles. And I was I was tiny. I was 80 pounds when I played when I was in seventh, eighth grade. So um, but I, I love that drill. That was always one of my favorite. Do you know what that drill is called? Uh, I, you know, I, I, I don't think it's got a formal name, but everybody knows that drill. Because so what I would do, I would put Najee on one side and then I would put. Denzel Ward on the other or, or or a linebacker a fast linebacker on the other and let them go mono and mono now that would be really cool that would be a cool shootout there'd be tons <laughs> of injuries and it would be bad and everybody would hate me for suggesting it but it sounds fun yeah I, I mean it makes about as much sense as some of the other things they've come up with well one of the reasons I asked you that is because this was one of the questions that was asked to Mike Tomlin on their address and when i'm saying their address i'm talking about kevin colbert i'm talking about mike tomlin they addressed the media and i guess it was like an invitation only zoom i'm not sure exactly what it was the other day and they all had some things to say and mike tomlin says hey win the game in 60 minutes so i mean hey that's good enough for me but then kevin colbert started talking and they asked him about making moves and there's two things that really stood out to me. The first was, Hey, Kevin, when are the Steelers signing Teron Matthew and that, um, that was the big question. And his answer was, Hey, he's gone on his fifth or sixth contract. We usually go for the guys at the end of their first contract or just going for a second. We don't really go for that kind of guy. What did that tell you, Kevin? I'm all, I'm 100% behind Kevin Colbert on that one. I, I really, I'm not saying I don't want them to sign Tyron Matho. I mean, I think he's a heck of a player, but 
I would prefer for them to re-sign Terrell Edmonds because, again, Mathal's 30-31, Edmonds is 25-26. Edmonds knows the Steelers' system. Uh, Edmonds has had a couple years to play with Minka Fitzpatrick. Uh, there's, probably have a, a, they probably have growing chemistry and, and a growing understanding of each other's games. Mathal's a little more of a freelance player. Uh, not, I'm not saying he doesn't play within a system, but he's a guy uh, who is used to being moved around a lot. I mean, a little bit more like a Troy Palomalu than he is a traditional safety. And I, I just, you know, I, I don't know if, if he's a great fit. And, and what, you know, to answer your question, what, what Colbert's really saying is we want to sink our money in a younger guy who's got more of his career ahead of him than behind him. So that tells me that unless the market really falls for him, the Steelers might just be willing to either wait it out or, or re-sign Edmonds. Really interesting. Now, yesterday something happened, and the Steelers did make a signing at safety, at the safety position, and it was Carl Joseph. Now, before it was a one-year deal, bringing back Carl Joseph, and the big comment that Kevin Colbert made that everybody raised an eyebrow on. I mean, there were so many Dwayne the Rock Johnsons with the people's eyebrow going on in the audience going or at home. They're like, whoa, what is going on here? When he said the Steelers have starters in every position, they're pretty much a complete team with the exception of safety. You Do you think that that's the safety move that Kevin Colbert's talking about, or is that a move? No, I don't think that's the move. I think, I think when he when he made that statement, two things. One, he I think he's being genuine. That yeah, we're going to we're the Steelers are going to find us a, a, a free safety, a, a strong safety. I don't know who that's going to be. Is it going to be Edmonds? Is it going to be Mathau? I don't think it's going to be Carl Joseph. I think he was you know he, he was here for a while last year. We didn't see much of him. I think he's a depth piece. Uh, I think between Joseph and Miles Killebrew, you probably have your backup safeties in place. But I believe that they will find a starting safety somewhere, free agency, the draft, most likely free agency, because I think they'd be very uncomfortable going into the season with either Killebrew or Joseph in that spot. The other thing is he seemed to indicate that he felt like if the season started today, the Steelers would be fine everywhere else at all other, you know, the 21 other starting positions on the field. And that was really interesting for me, primarily because what it said about the offense and what it said about the offense was despite the fact that the Steelers don't have an obvious slot receiver, they, they don't have an obvious number three right now. And, and a guy with experience in the slot, despite that, they feel like they've got enough pieces on offense. And that, and what that told me was, they're going to they're they're not going to prioritize that that slot receiver that number three guy like they have in the past and instead they'll probably swap out that receiver for more of a two tight end look so you may see the Steelers for the first time in a long time uh, base out of 12 personnel with two tight ends on the field rather than 11 personnel with three receivers out there all right so we are going to go into our speed round when we get back we're going to go position by position And we're going to speed through in the last 15 minutes of the show and talk about how complete they are at each position. So stick around. Kevin Smith is here. I'm Brian Anthony Davis. And it is Here We Go, the Steelers show, off-season edition. 
Welcome back to Here We Go, the Steelers show. My name is Brian Anthony Davis. It is BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. I'm here with Kevin Smith, KT Smith, the coach. And we are talking about Kevin Colbert's comments on how complete the Steelers are. And speaking of complete, make sure you check out BTSC for all of your Pittsburgh Steeler needs on the editorial side and on the podcast side. Coming up. Great shows this weekend. You got to check out the Steelers Power Half Hour. Don't forget about Bad Language. That's my new show. You also are going to have the Six Pack with Tony Defio on Friday night. Touchdown Under is now a Friday night show on YouTube as well. We go double header on Friday nights, Kevin, on YouTube. So that's a big change. And that is a new fun thing. The big show you do not want to miss is going to be Jeff Hartman. And Jeff Hartman is going to have his Let's Ride show, Blue Check Beck. Michael Beck will be with him. And fast forward a little bit to Monday, where Jeff has another great guest. A couple of weeks ago, he had Maddie Peverell. He had Kyle Kreiss. He had LaVon Kirkland. And he's going to have Pittsburgh journalist extraordinaire Jim Wexel on on the Monday morning conversation. So you do not want to miss that. That is going to be some good stuff. Check it out. Check out BTSC. Once again, not just your one-stop shop. It is your non-stop shop. And we are going to go non-stop here as we go position by position. We're going to do it a little different. We're going to start on defense here. And we're going to talk about how complete this team is. And we've got all position groups to go through. So we're probably going to go pretty quick on this one. Let's start with the defensive line headed by Cam Hayward. And I know this is probably for you. This is going to depend on the health of some veterans on that line, Kevin. Sure. Uh, we, we obviously, the Steelers obviously have to, to think about whether or not Stefan Tewitt is coming back uh, right now. The indications seem encouraging, although there's been no verification. And then you have Tyson Alo Alo. But even you know, if those if those two guys, along with Cam Hayward, are back, then it's a solid starting three. But Hayward will be 33 when the season starts. Alo Alo will be 35. Tua is approaching 30. They absolutely need to bring in some some younger talent, and not really like uh, you know not the bargain bin talent. They need they need top shelf talent. So so I'm I'm expecting them to address that high in the draft. So so even even if the starters look look pretty solid, they need depth. I'm giving you one guy on your wish list. And since she said draft, we're going to go draft. Who would that one guy be? Devontae Wyatt, a hundred percent. I think he's, and, and that that's, that's no slight against uh, the Davis kid, the nose tackle from Georgia, who's a mammoth human being and a tremendous run stopper. But for the Steelers scheme, I think Devontae Wyatt is the best fit on the board. I think he's a, I think he's a, he's in the Cam Hayward mold of a versatile D lineman who can move up and down the line and be on the field all three downs. Awesome. Is that a guy that the Steelers could get in the second round or did they have to get him in the first? Mm, I think they have to get him in the first. Okay. Very good. So that's the defensive line. And I, I love that pick there. I really think it's good. You know, I have a, I have a draft crush on Jordan Davis for a number of reasons. One, he just, man, Anytime I think of Casey Big Snack Hampton, I smile. 
And that's a guy that I'm thinking, man, Jordan Davis could be that guy. Plus, selfish reasons, I get to wear another Davis jersey. Because my right now, my one Davis jersey is Sean Davis. So I need to replace that. And I could do that with a number one pick. That'd be awesome. So there you go. That's a good reason. Uh, and <laughs> I, 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 it it, it, it uh, kills two birds with one stone. You got it. So let's talk about linebackers. We're going to, we're going to start, we're going to break these up. We're going to start with the edge. Of course you have TJ Watt who is entrenched as a starter. We know, I mean, you have the best defensive player in the league, one of the best all around players in the league. On the other side, you have the benefit of having a possible superstar in the making or a possible solid pro bowler in the making in Alex Highsmith. Is Highsmith good enough to start or are you, is this a, a situation where they might be pulling the plug in a couple of years on it, on this guy? No, I, I like Highsmith. I think that his, his game still needs a little bit of development. Uh, but I, but I also think that he's, he's progressed. And I think the Steelers spoke volumes about their faith in him last year when they, uh, let Melvin Ingram get away. Um, I think if they had big reservations about Highsmith, they never would have traded Ingram. Um, so I, I feel pretty confident about, about that position group. Do you bring in another Melvin Ingram? Do you stick with Derek Tuska and bring back a guy like Taco Charlton? Or do you address this in the draft, Kevin? So the Gennard Avery got a kid that they just signed from the Eagles is an interesting, is an interesting prospect in terms of where he'll fit. He played some, some edge in Philadelphia last year. He played some five tech and, and, and then he also played some of what would be like our outside linebacker position as an edge rusher. And the, and the Eagles liked him. They thought that he had a high motor and he was strong and he was quick. He was a little, he was a little small in stature to be a pure edge rusher. He's six foot and about two fifty, And, and he got swallowed up at times by uh, the bigger offensive tackles, the longer ones anyway. But when they moved him uh, inside, which they occasionally did, he was really good as an off-ball backer, uh, uh, you know, being able to get to the ball. And he's a very good blitzer who they liked. Uh, so I think that, you know, and the, I think the Eagles would have re-signed him, except that they went out and they got Asan Reddick in free agency, who I think they felt was an upgrade. So they that made Avery expendable. I'm interested to see what the Steelers do with him. He's probably more of a buck linebacker, but I think he could be used as an edge. Uh, if they need him to be. And so along with Tuska, I don't see them investing a high draft pick uh, at the, at the outside backer spot. Is he Arthur Motes? He could, if he is Arthur Motes, that's not a bad thing. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's a really good thing because the versatility of Arthur Motes playing outside, playing inside. And Arthur was one of those pieces of the puzzle guys. that was very valuable to this team. Well, that that's going to be the word of the year for the, this Steelers defense because versatility. Because I think that the the biggest impact Brian Flores I think will have on Pittsburgh's defense is the way in which Flores was able to disguise his looks on defense without having to sub personnel. He he found versatile guys who could move around the defensive formation. For example, he had Christian Wilkins in Miami, who was the number one draft pick out of Clemson a couple of years back. And, and he, he lined Wilkins up from the zero tech right on the head of the center all the way out to the five tech and everywhere in between. And he would use Wilkins in an awful lot of ways. And, and Wilkins wound up, I mean, this past year, he had 89 tackles and, and four and a half sacks, which are great numbers for an interior lineman. 
Um, and it, it was his versatility that really was uh, attractive to Flores. And, that, and that's kind of why I, I think about a guy like Devontae Wyatt. I think he's, he's a similar player. But when we think about Jannard Avery, who the Steelers just signed from, from Philadelphia, he's another guy whose versatility should be meaningful to the, to the looks that they're going to play this year. So, so I, I really do think that, that they're looking for guys that can, that can play multiple roles so that they can continue to disguise their looks. Avery's in town. And that kind of, you throw him in with a guy like Robert Spillane, who you almost expect to sign that extended free agent, extended restricted free agent contract. You expect him to come back. And then you have the two starters in Devin Bush and now Miles Jack. Do you expect them to really address this in the draft whatsoever with the, uh, with Devin Bush possibly being gone pretty soon or do you feel like this is for another day well let, let's say let's say Devin Lloyd the, the outstanding linebacker from Utah falls in the draft and he's sitting there at 120 I think the Steelers are in a position this year because of some of the savvy move that moves that they've made in free agency to address some of their needs that they're now flexible enough to be able to say hey this might not be our most pressing need but this kid's too good to pass up and we can address offensive line or defensive line or wide receiver, whichever, whichever position group they, they, they prioritize. We can get a good one in the second or third round. Uh, we're going to be okay if we invest in, in this player right now. So, so maybe, maybe a guy like uh, Devin Lloyd or maybe Nicobe Dean from Georgia, boy, he would look good in, in a blind Brian Flores defense with his speed and versatility and, all the different things. He's, he's a little bit of a, of a Miles Jack type player um, or even Christian Harris from Alabama. Who's, who's a little bit more like your traditional run thumper. If any of those linebackers were to be there at 120, uh, it wouldn't, it wouldn't stun me if the Steelers picked them. Would it stun you if the Steelers just stood pat and say, Hey, we're set an inside linebacker now, which is a crazy thing to actually think right now from just one month ago. No, I mean, I think the addition of Avery, and, and the fact that he can play inside uh, along with Jack and Bush as your starters and, and Spillane as a, as a dependable run stuffer gives them four guys that they can, that they can you know, rotate through. So they might add, look for another depth piece, but it wouldn't, it, if, if they decided that that, that that was the four that they were going to go with, I think that would be okay too. And there's always UG3 looming as well, Kevin. Let's go ahead and take a look at the defensive backs right now. Not set. Now we talked a little bit about we we basically talked about the safety position as well. We know they're not set. So I'm just gonna ask you quickly, do you expect them to draft a guy or bring a guy in? What do you think is more likely? I think it's more likely they bring a guy in. I think that they safety's a hard position to to step right into the starting lineup. There's so much going on at the safety position. You got to be a run defender. You have to be a pass defender. But most importantly, you have to be a quarterback of the defense. You've got to be able to see the rotations. You got to be able to adjust to motions. You have to be able to coordinate with with a corner in the passing game. You got to be able to coordinate with your linebackers in the run game. One of the biggest problems the Steelers had last year is they got out of their run fits a lot. And what I mean by that is. The safety's job in the run game is to make the linebacker right. If the linebacker fills 
inside, the safety's got to fill over top outside. And if the linebacker goes outside, the safety's got to be inside. No, the, the linebacker will fill where the linebacker feels he, he can, he has the easiest path to the ball carrier and the safety will make him right by filling opposite. When the safety doesn't do that and you wind up with the backer and the safety filling in the same gap, you got an unfilled gap and that's how you get gashed in the run game. And way too often last year, I thought the Steelers had those types of issues. And I think that was more a reflection of the inexperience not, that they had between their safeties and linebackers working together. Um, and, and that was a problem. So I don't think they want to bring in a rookie uh, and now have a new piece in Miles Jack as well and have to sort of try to integrate it all together. I think they'd rather have a veteran who's already had reps, not necessarily with Miles Jack, but just NFL reps and is a little bit more used to that part of the game rather than having to sort of start from scratch with a new kid. All right, so let me ask you about one more piece of the puzzle on this defense. And, you know, safety, I guess, is the only thing that Kevin Colbert was saying was complete, but I don't really think corner is complete. What is your thought there? Well, I like their top two. I like Levi Wallace, and I like I like that the fact that they re-signed Weatherspoon. I think that that gives them a pretty good uh, starting duo. I, I know a lot of people say, well, they don't have a number one. They don't, but they, but they have two guys who, who have different sort of skill sets and, and that creates versatility. And as I said earlier, I think that that's the word of the year for their defense. You got a guy in Wallace who's a great zone corner. Uh, he's physical and, um, and he tackles. And uh, then you got a guy in Witherspoon who, who excels in man coverage. And I don't think you're going to see the Steelers just play a lot of straight coverages. I don't think you're going to see them just line up a lot in, in uh, one coverage or another. I think they're going to play a lot of combo coverages and they're going to disguise a lot of looks. So with that said, I do think they need that depth and I wouldn't be shocked if they drafted a corner high. I don't know if they'll, they'll pick a corner in the first round, but, but I, think I think they're definitely going to address that position early on in the draft. Uh, but I don't think it's a position group where, they, where you have to say like, oh my God, they have to bring in a, a number one corner right now or they're in trouble. And don't forget about Cam Sutton's presence as well. So, you know what, as far as I'm concerned, I just want to say one thing. I do not have a problem with the Steelers drafting a corner high. And I don't subscribe to the fact that people say, you know, the Steelers cannot draft a corner because I just believe that is more situational than anything else. Kevin, let's jump on over to the offense now and take a look at quarterback. Look, this, this is an easy one here. You, uh, the quarterback position is kind of set with the only thing that you're really looking at is, are you going to start your future by drafting a guy and drafting a guy in the first or second round? I kind of think it's going to happen. I'm kind of seeing, I'm kind of believing that they're going to go with a quarterback in the first round. I don't think they're going to trade up for one. If not, if somebody falls to them in the second or if they have to trade up in the second, I could see them possibly doing that. Do you, are they drafting a quarterback in your mind? In my mind, I mean, I'll just tell you what I would do if I were them uh, based on not necessarily what I think, but what, I, what, what I've observed of them. I think they love, uh, they love Malik Willis. I think that they that if they can get him at 20, that I don't think that they'll hesitate. I think they'll jump at the opportunity to take him at 120. I don't think they'll trade up for him. 
What I don't want them to do is draft a developmental quarterback. I do not want them to say, let's, let's take a guy in the third round because we've done that. We've done that several times over the past few years. And that's just something that I feel with Trubisky, Rudolph and Haskins all on the roster. Where are you going to put that, 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 that developmental quarterback? Are you going to, maybe you can cut Haskins loose and now, this developmental guy becomes your third QB, but unless you're convinced that he can be your long-term starter, why throw away another second, third or fourth round pick on a guy who's probably not going to play for you much, if at all, when you could invest that in, in another position group. So for me, it's, it's Willis in the first or let's ride with what we have and see if we can address that next year. So go big or go home is pretty yes, much what you're go saying. Go big or go home. Exactly. Let's, we don't have much time. So let's talk about the running backs real quick. We know you're, you're set with Najee Harris. You know, there's some depth issues there. I mean, don't know what you have with Balaj and with, with uh, Betty Snell Jr. I could see them possibly drafting a guy in the sixth or seventh round, but I don't see them maybe in, even in the fourth, but I don't see them making running back a priority to you no not at all maybe a, maybe a change of pace back to compete with anthony mcfarland if he's even on the roster uh, and a guy who, who might be able to catch the ball out of the backfield or give you a little quicker shiftier gear but other than that no i don't see him addressing running back i say you you uh bring in Tariq cohen at a vet minimum and there you go he has experience with mitch too I kind of, uh, that's kind of on my wish list right now. It's cheap. Yeah. It's he, easy. He, he's the right kind of back to identify for sure. Let's go ahead and take a look at tight end real quick. You said you're expecting them to go two tight end sets. We know Muth is the guy is the other, is your other tight end in that situation. Is that Mr. Gentry? Absolutely. He, 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 to me, was the most improved stealer last year, and, and he improved by leaps and bounds. And his, his blocking was excellent. And I think they feel pretty confident. One of the reasons I think that they haven't rushed to fill the slot receiver void is because they know they can play Fryermuth in the slot. He showed last year that he could be a bigger version of Juju Smith-Schuster. And, uh, they, and then they, they feel confident that when they want to go with an inline tight end, that they can use Gentry there. So you, I just think you're going to see a lot of two tight end looks with Gentry as your, as your attached tight end and, and uh, Fryermuth as your detached tight end. So let's talk about the receivers. And we're going to go ahead and bring up the fact that we know that the Steelers are going to be bringing back Deontay Johnson. Well, not bringing him back. He's there, and so is Chase Claypool. You know, Anthony Miller, and Anthony Miller has had some success with Mitch Trubisky as well. Are those your top three? Do you think that – is there any stretch of the imagination that those three are not your top three? No, I think that – I think that's uh, that's what you're, what the plan is at the moment. Um, I think that Miller – you know, Miller caught – 140 passes in in three years with Chicago between 2018 and 2020. So he's a guy that's had some production and, and, and he's got some classic slot uh, features. He's pretty good at, uh, at understanding spatial relationships and, and he's quick off the line and he knows how to get off the press coverage. And if you can do all those things, you know, you can play in the slot. Um, so I think they're certainly going to, going to look at him, but they'll absolutely draft someone high. They do it, you know, they do it whether they need to or not. It's just the thing that Steelers do. But I, I think this year with the combination of, of tradition and need, you'll see them 
uh, invest a, a high pick in a wide receiver. We know they're drafting one. So I'm going to ask you this. Do they draft two or do they draft one and bring in a free agent? I think they'll, they'll take, I think they'll draft someone high second round, most likely maybe a kid like Sky Moore, who, who uh, a lot of uh, from Western Michigan, who a lot of guys around the, the BTSC world are, are very high on. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they also took a flyer on a lower round pick, you know, maybe a speedster, like a, a guy like Bo Melton, who I've talked about because of just uh, our, my association with him, knowing him from our, our area. And, um, but if not him, you know, somebody in that mold, a guy who can really run and, and try to you know, take the top, top off of coverage. The first thing they need to do is identify that slot role and who's that going to be. And, and then from there, they can look for, for uh, a developmental piece. All right. So that's really good. So you will have those top three and then you look at the possibility of a developmental piece. Is there anybody on your free agency radar right now? I mean, of course it's not, it's not going to be a big name, but is there anybody out there that I I know you were very high on Jamison Crowder. You were very high on Byron Pringle. They're not here. Is there anybody that you're thinking that, Hey, it's a guy that they could bring in and sneak in or is General Shevsky going to get, get some looks? I'll be honest. I don't, I don't like what's left in the free agent pool. It's a lot of older guys who would be on final contracts or third or fourth contracts. It's a lot of guys that are 30 and above. Uh, It's a lot of guys that are going to want a lot of money and, and are probably at this point in their careers, not producing in line with the money they're going to ask for. So I have no problem if they just kind of sit it out, uh, give Miller the shot, take a look at Gunner. You know, Gunner's got nine career receptions, so it's not like we can, we can, you know, draw upon a lot of his, uh, uh, his experience there. But one thing he does really, really well because he's a return guy is, is run with the ball in his hands. So maybe they'll, they'll get, they'll get, get Gunner some looks uh, in the screen game and do some things to try to shake him up. Uh, And then just, you know, put your, put your capital into the draft and, and, and the Steelers have a pretty good history of drafting good receivers. So bank on that. All right. I love it. Let's, let's end with the offensive line. You know, this offensive line looks so much better than it did a month ago. Where do you expect them to go on the offensive line? Do you expect them to bring in a center? Do you expect them to who's who's what's highest priority? Because it doesn't seem like guard is the highest priority now. No, it's interesting. A a month ago, I would have said that the guard position is the highest priority. But with with Daniels in the fold, uh, with Mason Cole being a versatile guy who's, I think, better than a lot of people are are expecting him to be. Um, You know, Kevin Dotson's a little bit of the wild card because He's kind of fallen out of favor with the Steelers a little bit because of maybe not coming to camp in great shape last year and then getting hurt. So he's got to earn his way back in. Green could get put, moved over to guard if Cole winds up at, at the center. So there's a lot of different ways to address that guard position. So the priority really might be tackle because beyond, you know, you've got, you, you re-signed Okora for, you have Dan Moore who showed a lot of promise as a rookie, but behind them, you got a lot of question marks. Guys like, like John the Glue, uh, I don't even know who else they have uh, uh, on the roster. But um, they're just not real deep at the tackle position. So it wouldn't shock me at all if they picked a tackle within the first couple rounds. All right. Well, hey, I, I love it. If uh, Who would you think would be your tackle of choice right now? Because there's a lot of names out there that aren't going to be first-round guys. You've got the big guy like uh, Daniel Fillele, or I, if I'm pronouncing it even right, Bernard Raymond. 
you've got guys like that. You've got a guy like, like Trevor Penning, who I like a lot, but I think he's a first round guy. You've got Icky from North Carolina state. You're, you're not going to get him. Um, you're not going to get Evan Neal. You're not going to get Charles cross, but yeah, there are. Philele is an interesting name. Yeah, I'm glad you brought him up because he's such an interesting story. You know, he's a he's a massive human being. Again, six eight and three hundred and forty pounds, but he actually moves pretty well. And and he's kind of being targeted as maybe a second round guy. So that's a name that I'd keep an eye on. But the guy, if Zion Johnson, uh, the guard from Boston College, falls into the second round and the Steelers can get him, I jump all over him. I think he's great. He is physical and he can move. And those are two things that the Steelers need to prioritize. And I know he's a guard and, and we're, and they're a little bit deeper at guard, but I think that they can, they can move some guys around um, on the uh, up front. That's a, a, to use the kind of the word that's been the theme of the show versatility. They've got versatile linemen. And uh, I think that they can afford to say, Hey, Johnson's the best player on the board here in the second round. Let's go after him. So as we close out the show, I'm going to answer. Actually, I'm not going to answer as we close out the show. I'm going to ask you, one question and i really want just a yes or no answer and it's this when kevin colbert said the team is just a safety away from being complete do you buy that even more now yes i love it yes i do that's what i wanted to hear that's great so there's plenty of reason to feel pretty good about your 2022 pittsburgh steelers because kevin smith said so when KT talks, please listen. This guy knows it. I know I do. In fact, I quote Kevin Smith to my wife. And she's like, uh, okay. But is that, is that clerks, Kevin Smith, that you quote to your wife? I mean, uh, no, no, yeah. not, not clerks. I, I go KT all the way. So, I mean, I am a Kevin Smith fan, but you're my number one Kevin Smith. Oh, that's I, I appreciate that. There's a lot of us out here, just like you know, there's a lot of Brian Davises. So oh yeah, I mean, a lot of that's... Brian Davises, but only one bad, that's for sure. Yeah, and that's why that Anthony is in there. It's not because I I use it, I would use it often, but it's got to be in there now because we're a dime a dozen. But thank you for saying that there's only one bad. I appreciate that. <laughs> for Kevin Smith, my name is Brian Anthony Davis. This was a great show, man. I really appreciate your time, Kevin. Yeah, it was fun. And uh, the the exciting thing about this time of year is by, by the time we get we get together again next week, who knows what will have transpired. So I, I love it. There's always something going on behind the steel curtain. So make sure you check us out for everything. Kevin, keep your feet on the ground and keep reaching for the hypocycloids. <laughs>